My, my name is Galia. I'm from Ukraine. I grew up in Mariupol, eastern Ukraine. And when I was 16, I moved to Kiev to go to college. And that was 2009. And in 2010, the Kiev temple was dedicated. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Temple Tours. I'm Jerica, and today Matt Wilde is helping me co-host. Say hi, Matt. Hey, everybody. I'm Matt. Today, we are also joined by Galia, who will be sharing her story about her special temple. Our goal is to virtually take you to each temple around the world. We discuss the history of each area, little-known facts, architectural symbolism, and we'll always include at least one story submitted by you, our listeners. Today, we're discussing a beautiful European temple with a unique story. But first, a little bit of history. Missionaries first began proselyting in Ukraine in 1990. By the time Ukraine declared independence from the Soviet Union on August 24, 1991, nearly 90 people had been baptized. At the time, missionaries in Ukraine served under President Howard L. Bidolf in the Austria-Vienna East Mission. President Boyd K. Packer dedicated the country for missionary work in September of that year. During the dedication, he said, We are gathered here as missionaries and as members, a small group. This gathering is prescient of the tens and the hundreds and the thousands and the hundreds of thousands that will yet join thy church. He continued to say that, In due time, the spires of temples will be seen across this great land. According to Church News, Elder Packer said in an interview, that they, quote, met near the top of a hill in the center of the city, near the base of the statue of Prince Vladimir, who brought Christianity to what is now Ukraine 1,003 years earlier, in AD 988. Christianity spread from Ukraine to other lands in the region. On December 1st, 1991, 90% of Ukrainians voted for independence and the country became formally independent. The Soviet Union ceased to exist on December 26, 1991. The 90s were a turbulent time for Ukrainians. Though there were many positive outcomes of independence, it threw the economy into an adjustment period that deeply affected just about everyone. Between 1992 and 1993, members of the church from Germany and the United States donated food and clothing as part of a humanitarian effort. In 1995, a large donation of medical supplies was sent to relieve the Ukrainian medical system. By 1994, 4,000 people had been baptized in Ukraine. That's an average of about 109 baptisms per month since President Packer dedicated the country for missionary work. The Kiev Temple was announced in July of 1998, making this one of the fastest built temples relative to when missionaries arrived in this century. At the time of the announcement, there wasn't yet a stake in Ukraine, and there was only one chapel in the whole country. Okay, my mom, she's the pioneer in our family. She's the one who converted back in 1994. To her, it was definitely, I would say, a, a bigger deal than it was to me. Not that it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal to me. But for my mom, she went to Germany twice, I want to say to go through the temple ordinances and everything. And every time she did, it was not easy. It's a lot of money. And yes, the church somehow did help. I don't know the details just because I was a child. I do know that the church did help somehow, but still, even whatever she had to put in was a big deal for our family because we did not have much at all. And my dad was never on board with her going on these trips. My dad is not a member of the church and he did not support her at all. 
in being a member of the church. So she honestly sacrificed just a great deal to make those trips happen. So all the people who converted in the 90s, just like my mom, now those were the people who really were like, they were waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. They were patient and they were so, so excited. And that was, that was really cool too. In August 2002, President Hinckley visited Ukraine. Naturally, members in the area hoped that he would announce the location of the new temple that had been promised four years earlier. However, he made no such announcement as land had not yet been acquired for the temple site. The church wanted to purchase a large amount of land, about 12 acres, something that is not easy to come by in a European city. On May 30, 2004, President Nelson, then Elder Nelson, organized the first stake in Kiev. During their first stake conference, he encouraged members to love their neighbors and search out their ancestors. Though the temple announcement came quickly back in 1998, the groundbreaking of the temple did not occur until the 23rd of June 2007. Moroni was raised to the top of the spire on September 19, 2009, and nearly 7,000 people came to watch the event. The open house took place from August 7th to 21st, 2010. 4,000 members of the church gathered for the youth cultural celebration. To put that number in perspective, at the end of 2020, 10 years later, there are 11,242 members of the church in all of Ukraine, meaning that over a third of church members living in Ukraine right now likely either participated or watched the youth cultural celebration. What a turnout. Since I was already living in Kiev, I got to participate in the cultural event. Well, actually, it didn't matter where you lived. Pretty much every member of the church from Ukraine, I'm pretty sure everyone got to participate, everyone who wanted to, at least. And I was singing in the choir, so was my mom. And then a lot of my friends were either dancing or doing uh, a lot. Some of them were playing some instruments. So that's how I got to be part of it. It was a lot because it wasn't just Ukrainian people. It was people from other countries and not necessarily neighboring countries because we are surrounded by Poland, Romania, a little bit of Hungary, then Belarus and then Russia on the east. But we also had Georgians come. I'm pretty sure Azerbaijan was there. And I just remember uh, representatives from Azerbaijan or maybe Georgia they built an entire human pyramid. I think Bulgaria literally had four people. And still, they put on their national clothes, like everybody was wearing their national clothes. And they, they went out and they, I think they did a dance. Like, it didn't matter how, how many people you had. You could have only one person represent. And they would still go out there and they'd be like, hey, I'm from this country and I'm so happy and proud that we get to be here afterwards when everything was said and done, the people who were recording the celebration, and they were Americans, and they were talking about among themselves how what a wonderful celebration it was and how many cool things they got to see and uh, how people really went all out to represent themselves and show them that we're so happy to be here and we're so happy that the temple is finally here and dedicated. Another part of that was we were so beyond 
happy that the prophet was there, because that, like, it's not an everyday occasion, not every year occasion that the prophet comes to Ukraine. And it was interesting that in in Kyiv, it really didn't matter how old they were. It was the youth was talking about it. The the older people were talking about it. The youth was taking the preparation for the cultural event very seriously. That was something new to me as well, because I, I kind of in my head was like, oh, it's just a church thing. It won't be a big deal. And then I came to Kiev, and I was like, oh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for people. They're not messing around. If if they're gonna perform, they're gonna perform a hundred percent. The dance is um, boys and girls perform it, but girls' part is there's not a lot of gymnastics to it. The boys' part, oh my gosh, you have to have thighs of steel to perform those jumps and the tricks that they do. Without having that background, it's really hard to just get into the dance. And they practice for a long time. I mean, I don't know if they started like a year in advance or maybe even more than that. But they were learning those dances, and they did an amazing job at the end. And those guys like really put the work in, and they and they did it, and it was just awesome. It was a lot of excitement, and like I said, I was a teen, so you know, excitement times ten yeah. <laughs> for me. And I was just the very fact that there were so many members gathered all together in the same place. For me, that was new. I'd never had that before. Later on, when I came to the States, I was like, oh, you go to a ward and you get like half of our cultural celebration (laughs) in Utah. I was just happy that all my friends from all over Ukraine that I don't normally get to see all that often, we were all in the same place. We were all participating, dancing, singing, uh, you know, contributing however we could. The temple was dedicated on August 29, 2010 by President Thomas S. Monson. During the dedication, he said, We express our gratitude for all who have participated in the preparations for this glorious day of dedication, as well as for those who made possible the successful open house event. We ask thy blessings to attend that vast throng who walked within these sacred walls and felt stirring thoughts course through their minds and hearts. May the spirit of the temple continue with them. We were standing outside of the temple, so that was the actual dedication, I think. And he was addressing whoever was there, us, the people of Ukraine. And he kept saying that, people of Romania, you're so beautiful. And (laughs) President Udorf kept whispering to him, Ukrainian, Ukrainian. (laughs) And we were very, I mean, we were not offended or anything like that. We were just happy that he was there and we understood I'm sure it was difficult to travel all that far and and there were Romanians there as well but at that particular moment he was addressing it was all Ukrainians standing there and it was just very sweet and kind of funny and we were like oh President Monson we love you so much (laughs) I really should have talked to my mom for (laughs) this because she she knows She went and she was in the temple because she was already endowed and she could be present there. You had to like get tickets beforehand to get in the temple and she didn't have one. But then the last minute, somebody gave her a ticket. So she pretty much ditched me at the hotel and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't a big deal because I wasn't like afraid to be by myself or anything. 
But I was like a little bit maybe offended, like, oh, how dare you? I'm your daughter. The exterior of the temple is made up of Amarillo Massiera granite with quartzite crystals to reflect sunlight. The Kiev temple is 22,184 square feet and is positioned right off a busy road for commuters to admire as they wait in traffic. There are two parallel paths that lead to the entrance of the temple. Lined by beautiful trees and bushes, the path meets at the end with the fountain before ascending the few steps up to the front doors. The path also continues around the temple in a circle. In 2010, the Kiev temple was awarded first place for the best religious building constructed in Ukraine that year. As of June 2021, exactly 30 years after the first branch was organized with only 40 members, there are now two stakes and three districts, which are made up of eight wards and 40 branches in Ukraine. There are also two missions. Faithful members from Russia, Romania, Armenia, Belarus, and Moldova make the long trip to attend the Ukraine temple. Most members in the Ukraine temple district live far enough from the temple that a flight is necessary. Until the dedication of the Kiev temple, members of the church living in Eastern Europe would travel to Freiburg, Germany to attend the temple. With the temporary closure of the Kiev temple, Freiburg is still the closest temple until the Vienna and the Budapest temples are dedicated. For perspective, that drive from Kiev to Freiburg is about 22 hours. For me, even though I was in the city, it would still take me two hours to get there. It's so interesting because now that I live in the States, thinking about a two-hour drive, I'm like, oh, that's such a long time. But honestly, I would go to the temple at least every month, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, sometimes even more than that. Before we share with you the architectural symbolism found in the Kiev Temple, we would like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Temple Tours Pod. Be sure you're following us for a more visual version of each episode with pictures and videos. We are so grateful for your support. Like many temples, the Kiev Temple is very square, and though it has more dimensions than a simple cube, the feeling of stability and balance come from this incredible edifice. Yellow flowers are painted on the ceiling in the bride's room, likely symbolic of the official national flower, the sunflower. Sunflowers came to Ukraine during the exploration of North America. Locals found that they grew well in Ukrainian soil, and soon they started popping up everywhere. Nowadays, sunflowers are largely grown for their seeds and oil. However, they are also a symbol of the sun and woven into wreaths that girls wear during celebrations. Like the Calgary Temple that we discussed in Episode 2, the Kiev Temple showcases wheat in the stained glass, in gold leafing on the walls of the Celestial Room, in various wood furniture around the temple, and etched into the glass surrounding the baptismal font. Wheat was used in the temple architecture because Ukraine is one of the top 10 largest producers of wheat in the world. Of course, wheat is also symbolic in the scriptures. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 4, verse 4, the Lord reveals that the field is white, all ready to harvest. And lo, he that thrusteth in his sickle with his might, the same layeth up in store that he perisheth not, but bringeth salvation to his soul. The wheat in the Kiev temple and the history of it also reminds us that the people are ready to hear the good news of the gospel. The field is white, ready to harvest. Thank you for listening. We hope that you learned something new about the Kiev Ukraine Temple today. 
Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Temple Tours Pod for more information and photos of this beautiful temple. We are so grateful for those of you who have submitted stories about your temple. Don't worry, your episode is coming. If you have a story that you would like to share about your temple, please email us at ldstempletours at gmail.com. Temple Tours is a production of Mecco Radio. Jerrica Dennison and Matthew Wilde hosted today's episode. Special thank you to Galia for sharing her story with us today. This episode was written and produced by Jerrica Dennison, and I, Alex Williams, edited this program. The music we use includes Where I Find Rest by Sun Wash, In the Clouds by Be Still the Earth, Wonderland by Midtro, Ray by Kevin Graham, Horizon by Cloud Cover, Intro by Miles Kredick, and After All This Time by Ben Winwood. A full list of sources and credits can be found in the show notes. And we should note, this is not an official podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon for another episode.